Welcome to High Signal. Today's guest is Alex West, who's the founder of Cyberleads, which is basically a business generation leads company, which sends you leads of companies that have just received funding so that agencies can get more business. Alex is a solo founder and he's hit $300,000 in annual revenue recently. And I'm going to ask him some questions. Then the rest of the High Signal founders are going to ask some questions. And yeah, we're going to dive into loads of interesting stuff. First off, Alex, thanks a lot for being on the show. It's really great for you to join us. You've talked a lot about your kind of lifestyle, like boring businesses versus like cool businesses to talk about at parties and stuff like that. Do you want to talk about why you're on the side of running a boring business that funds your lifestyle? Yeah, uh, I mean... I was very guilty of trying to build very cool stuff that sound cool at parties, uh, etc. But uh, I had a very difficult time making money. And what happened was that I had built so many products. And at the end of the day, I was fluctuating around $100 to $200 per month. And all that happened was I might have gotten like a wow from someone if I said, yeah, I'm building this tool that helps people with epilepsy and that sounds very, very cool. But at the end of the day, I had to go and find a full-time job. So when I was working at my full-time job, I said, you know, I'm just going to take my priorities and just flip them 180 degrees because first of all, I just want to change my life mostly rather than than the world. And secondly, no one really cares about you. Like even if they say like, wow, or something like that, they don't, they've forgotten about you in five seconds. So everything you do, do it for yourself. And what is true, truly meaningful for me is to, to have a great lifestyle. And if that means that I have, that I have to run a boring business and we can go into what is truly boring and what is not, um, uh, then so be it. And I am so happy to be running a simple, a simple quote unquote boring business rather than struggling like I used to building cool things. Um, yeah, but I, I see many people struggling with that. Like they jump on the new opportunity, like uh, shiny object syndrome is, is a real thing. Okay. Yeah, that's that's good to know. Um, do you want to? Yeah, do you want to talk about briefly what Cyberleads is, um, and then we can yeah we can dis- discuss it some more. Yeah, Cyberleads is a list of funded companies that just received funding, like in the past month, and are likely to outsource specific services. So, if you run a design studio, for example. Uh, in the monthly list, you will find companies that raised maybe like 2 million, like two weeks ago, and they are likely to outsource design. So you will find in that list that signal, and you'll also find like the decision makers email. So you can reach out and say, if you need any design help, I'm here. On top of that, and which is the, the biggest money maker. So this is like a monthly newsletter. But the biggest thing that I've done recently is uh, offer a done-for-you service. So you receive this list, but many people, especially with cold email, they, they don't know how to use it properly. Um, hence why it's got such a bad uh, uh, name. 
but if you want, you could subscribe to the service on top and I do everything for you. I send the emails and I book meetings for you on your behalf. And uh, that's like the service on top. That's the business. Yeah, that's really cool. I didn't actually realize that you're doing the, the service on top. But um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense because I know that there's a million guides out there on how to write cold email because cold email is hard. And if you, you might have, I guess, like the best products in the world, but if your opening email doesn't get read, then it's, you know, it's no use to anyone. Um, so yeah, that's really smart that you're doing the service as well. Um, I think you got a mention on the My First Million podcast mm-hmm. recently, which must have been really cool. Um, did that give you like a big bump in, in revenue? It, it did and did not, uh, because it brought many newsletter subscribers and it did bring some people that were interested in the custom, the service I provide, which is where the real money is. But um, um, at the moment, I'm not taking any, any customers, so they're in the wait list. So yeah, it did bring quite, it did bring a lot of revenue uh, and a lot of traffic, uh, but n- nothing insane. But it, okay. it, it was really cool. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Um, yeah, I think like when you're starting off the list, do you want to talk about the process of that? Because I think it started off, you know, really bare bones, manual, like one page website kind of thing. Do you want to talk mm-hmm. about that? Yeah, I mean, it still is like the newsletter is still almost exactly the same way it was two and a half years ago, which, you know, I'm always in a super state between feeling like an idiot and a genius because it's so simple. But yeah, I haven't really changed much. The only thing I I changed was after, you know, I, I get this data, okay, uh, which is not unique and many and other people offer more or less the same data, either as a database, as a newsletter, as a report, as a uh, business intelligence platform. Like there's so many ways they offer this data and to so many different people, journalists, sales teams, agencies, uh, um, investors, you name it. Uh, but these funded companies, I would collect these. Uh, and one big thing compared to databases, for example, is that all these databases, they, they have like uh, outdated information, wrong information. Uh, they don't have decision makers. You have to log in the platform and build your own queries. And one thing that I think especially solo entrepreneurs can leverage is use simplicity as a differentiator. Like people don't have time. Uh, and that goes for your landing page, that goes for your product. Like people don't have the time to sit down and invest to learn about your product and understand like your smart landing page and your smart wording, what it really means. No one cares. Like it, it's so simple. What, what I do is I collect this information and then by hand, I cross-check every single one so there are no mistakes. Uh, and then I also provide uh, the likely to outsource uh, label which is something I do uh, with uh, uh, some automation with like statistics. Let's say one company is 50 people and they have one designer or zero designers 
and you can cross-check like they have worked with agencies in the past, it's a good fit. But I also do it by hand as well. For example, uh, if one company is storing medical information and they have the word trust five times on their website, then that's a good fit for cybersecurity agency and so on and so forth. So yeah, there's a lot that goes into the list, but like top level, if you look at the product, it's simple, stupid, honestly. Cool. Well, yeah, that's that's simple is good. Um, okay, we'll open it up to some questions from the High Signal members. Just a reminder that if you have a question, just put it in the Zoom chat window and I'll I'll call you out. I think Kareem's got a question. Uh, one thing that I noticed is that during this time period where we built a ton of different companies, before you launched into cyber leads, you built a lot of B2C companies as well, right? So you have, you have like some B2C and some B2B. And I wanted to know in your like own experience, in your own words, uh, what you felt the difference is between both and what are strengths and weaknesses uh, of both. So I wanted to go into B2B mostly because everyone said B2B, like B2B is the way to go, B2B, B2B. Uh, and all the people, many of the people anyway, that had made it uh, as a solo businessman were doing B2B stuff. So I knew that I had to go that way, statistically speaking. The most interesting part, though, was analyzing my own actions. As soon as I was running Cyberlease, I would whip out my credit card and pay for something. No brainer. For myself, I'm very uh, strict. Uh, like I'm not, uh, you know what people are like, like they won't purchase a 99 cent app on the app store because it's too damn expensive. However, if it's for your business and it costs a thousand dollars per month, but it has the potential to save you 10 hours or make you 10,000, you will buy it and you'll be very happy with it. However, there are some exceptions to the rule, like B2C market, for example, anything to do with education is superb because people spend a lot of money on education. Um, so yeah, they, there are exceptions to the rule, but the difference was crazy with B2B. I would struggle to sell $5 subscriptions, $5 per month subscriptions uh, for people churning. And just picture that to reach... Um, let's say 1K per month, you need 200 customers, which is insane. At the moment, I don't have 200 customers, just to paint a picture, like how different it is. Uh, with Cyberlease at 200 customers, it could be like a million per year. With the other business, 200 customers would be 1K per month. Like it, it's crazy, the business, the difference. Uh, so yeah, I, I absolutely felt the difference straight away. Awesome, thanks. Cool. Um, yeah, that's really, yeah, it's really put it puts into perspective when you put it like that, Alex. Um, mm. The huge difference between having 200 customers. Um, uh, Ronan, I think you've got a question. Yeah, hey, Alex. Uh, thanks for taking the time. Um, yeah, two questions. So have you dealt with many copycats? And I see you have an affiliate program on your homepage. And does that drive a lot of traffic? Because I've kind of dealt with both, so I'm curious to see how you you handle it. Yeah, uh, the affiliate one just now I started taking off from the my first million that you mentioned earlier. Before that, it, I just had it there just 
just to have it maybe you know uh, just in case you know someone someone wants to refer someone uh, about the copycats i don't even know uh, and i don't stress about it at all uh, there were people doing similar things to me before me. There'll be people after me. Uh, and even if there's someone who does a really good job, like good for him. Like, honestly, at this point, uh, I don't care about making more money and I don't care about, you know, conquering the market or not leaving anyone else to do the same thing. Why not just do it with a little bit of authenticity Either it could be like your own distribution channel or target a specific customer, uh, something like that. I think the only way that competition would make me uh, um, feel bad would be if everything overlaps. Like we have the same product and the same wording and the same target customer and the same acquisition channel. And that in that case, you know, you're overlapping in this huge space that's called the internet, which is just plain stupidity. There's enough room for everyone as long as they don't overlap. So with copycats, I have found many. The reality is, Ronan, and I'm sure you know this as well, that 99% of people, they will quit the same way that I quit my 19 products before that, even though I... I I had this false fallacy that it had to be unique. So I was not doing, I was, if I found an idea and it was taken, I was like, okay, this idea is taken. I'm not doing this idea. But yeah, most people quit. That's where I want to, uh, uh, that's what I want to say. So I don't spend at all uh, worrying about copycat zero, uh, especially now that I have the, the agency model on the top. Because for that, I charge, actually, this is important, I think, because for that, I charge 2K per month, okay? So that means to hit 1 million per year, I need 40 customers from the whole damn world. 40, 40, that's it. Who can stop you to reach 40 customers? No one really. So there's no point worrying at this point where I am now. With the newsletter, I was a little bit more you know, maybe, okay, let's not saturate this thing and everyone offer the same newsletter for $10 per month instead of 200 or 100 But at the moment, I don't care about it at all. And that's the beauty when you go high ticket because the numbers you tr- you want to hit are so, so small that you don't care about it. Well, I think we're all <laughs> going to go B2B after this if we're not already. <laughs> um yeah, um, Camp here. I think you've got a question. Yeah, I got to raise my prices now even more. Um, so thank you again for doing this. You mentioned earlier in this call that uh, you kept your page simple. You like it simple. Is there anything that jumped out at you that you remember to this day that you thought this could be simpler? Yeah, it's, it's funny, Andrew, because in the beginning, especially in the beginning, now now more uh, less allergic to it. But in the beginning, when I used to collect these lists with these funded companies, man, I don't know. It's it's almost as if they do it on purpose. That you don't understand what they do. You know, is that is that weird thing where you know, for example, solopreneurs try to pretend that they're companies and they say like, we did this. Uh, In the same way, early stage startups, they try to be enterprises and they have these huge 
landing pages where you don't understand anything. Uh, and in the enterprise world, that is common because they usually have sales teams and they sell like huge packages where they do live demos. So they explain everything. But it, it was just so funny to see early stage startups with five people uh, having landing pages where I was trying to understand, okay, what are you doing? I don't understand. Like, explain to me. Uh, other than that, I have a positive. I have a good um, example for you. Uh, Gumroad for me was a huge inspiration where if you exclude their last rebranding when they did last year, they were... <laughs> They were the same damn product for 10 years almost. Uh, I don't know, close to 10 years. And for me, that was inspirational because adding things is very easy. But keeping things simple and being focused and grounded and just keeping things simple is difficult. So yeah, Gumroad as a positive example, hundreds of early stage startups as a negative example. I hope I didn't disappoint you with my answer and you were hoping for something. No, Gumroad's uh, a good a company example. you know or something. Yeah, Gumroad's a good example. I like I used to like their page and, and they made a big deal about being simple even in their FAQ and uh, across the board they, they tried to go as simple as possible in their talking. I'm trying to edit my own language when I talk about uh, what I do because it's such a simple idea, right? Google Sheets. So simple. I, I don't have to make it complex, but I do in my complex brain mm -hmm. yeah that, that that makes Thanks. sense excellent phil i think you've got a question for alex yep thanks alex where do you get your traffic from is it seo is it twitter what's your like, kind of main acquisition mm -hmm. and then i was just on your twitter there stalking your top tweet and i seen something happened in 2020 i don't know what it was though it wasn't the pandemic i imagine something else 2020 was uh, and thank you phil for the question like 2020 was exactly that point where i went from building little b2 b2c products uh to finding cyberlies which was my first like b2b product so that that changed completely their trajectory uh as for revenue all-time revenue by far it's twitter lately it's word of mouth more than twitter which for me is surprising and i don't know like I have no real experience with this channel. Does this continue compounding? Does it go through phases? Like, okay, like a big podcast mentioned you and now everyone is mentioning it to each other. I don't know. But at the moment, like word of mouth is picking up like crazy. Uh, but yeah, Twitter for sure, which again, going back to simplicity, like I used to feel embarrassed of saying, okay, my business is a monthly list and I tweet. And that's that's my business. Like it doesn't sound cool. Like we want to sound smart, and you know, I have everything figured out. Yeah, but it, it's mainly Twitter and word of mouth. And uh, yeah, I hope I answered your question. Yeah, no, that's kind of kind of what I expected, but I didn't expect it to be all Twitter. To be honest with you. I made about yeah. two dollars on Twitter so far, but I should. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's a, it's a goldmine if you if you're the right uh, niche, um, and even word of mouth, arguably, that could be from Twitter, right? Someone sees it from Twitter, they say it to their friend, that counts as word of mouth, but maybe it's 
Twitter indirectly. So yeah, it's super powerful if you're doing anything tech-related, business-related. Awesome. But yeah, that's really good. I think, Kareem, you've got another question. How did you grow to reach your first 10 customers? So what happened was I launched on Product Hunt, uh, as most makers do. And I did get a few customers from there. And I was so pumped because I was like, okay, this is it. I ha- At last, after two and a half years, uh, I have found a B2B product. At the time, the price was $29 per month when I launched, but I had something like five or six customers. I don't, no, maybe close to 10 I got from Product Hunt. Uh, and I was oh, off to the races. Like I, I was so pumped. But then I, I realized that, okay, have you seen Finding Nemo, that animation, where in the end, the first they jump into the sea and they say, now what? That's exactly how I felt. Like, okay, now what? So you launch, you have customers, now what? The, the game is, like you said, it's simple but difficult. The game is to have one product that people are willing to pay for and one distribution channel you can utilize again and again and again. Basically, something like launching on Product Hunt every day. If we could launch on Product Hunt every day, we'd all be rich here. But you cannot. You have to build your own distribution channel. So I started experimenting with everything. I started experimenting with cold outreach via LinkedIn. Uh, I started experimenting with uh, sponsoring blog posts, Quora, Reddit, Twitter, SEO, uh, just reaching out to my network, you name it, everything. But the funny thing is, and this is almost like a pattern now. So I built 20 products. One of them took off. I tried many, many things as a distribution channel. One of them took off. That was Twitter because I tweeted something with no intention of going viral or blowing up or anything. And it happened to blow up. Uh, And I got five customers from there. And I'm like, damn it, this is it. So I have one product and one distribution channel. And from there, from there, you should change also like, like character. And that's the interesting thing about this, this journey. Like you have to, especially when you're like a solo entrepreneur, you have to change, I believe in my, in my opinion, of course, I could be wrong, that you have to change your, your character along the way. So in the beginning, you have to be really artistic, try new things, have an open mind, be creative, find a, a smart way to get customers. But once you find that, then you have to stop being that creative person that goes after the new idea that comes into his mind. And, you know, uh, um, you have to become like an athlete. From an artist, you have to become an athlete. Do the boring stuff. Do again and again the thing that took you from zero to 10 customers. Again and again and again. And that's all I did for the past two years, basically. Okay? So for the past two years, all I've done is have cyber leads, use that distribution channel again and again and again, Twitter, build my brand. And at the same time, again, another pattern, run many experiments within the business. So the same way that I, it took me 20 businesses to find cyber leads and many distribution channel experiments to find Twitter, the same way I tried more or less 20 different experiments within cyber leads turn it into a database, 
uh, create like uh, a network of agencies that can work together, you name it, to find like the, the productized service I've added on top, which took off straight away. So it's experimenting, find something, do the same thing. While you're doing the same thing, experiment with other things, find the next lever, do the same thing. Like I'm going to run this thing now with a product I service probably for the next few years. Uh, I want a bit on around there, but I, I hope I answered your question. No, it was, it was an, an excellent answer. Thank you very much. Very, very enlightening, like the whole probabilistic aspect of it and having to just go for reps. And then once you hit something, I like the metaphor a lot of switching from the creative, like the probabilistic part to the athlete where you just need to put the work in and just grind on the things that, uh, that work. That's, uh, that, that was awesome. Thanks, Alex. Thank you. Yeah, that's a really, really cool answer. Um, I probably know the answer to this already, but what do you think about the whole one project versus multiple projects kind of thing that a lot of people talk about? Yeah, uh, both have worked. So let's start with that. Both have worked for different people. There have been people that worked on a single project for three to five years, and then it took off. And there are people that had traction from day one. Now, I can share my own anecdotal experience, and I can also say that around at, at the beginning of 2020, I sat down and I wrote a huge blog post. And I, I saw, like, in 2018, I tried the many projects approach, and I went from zero experience, zero products under my belt to... Uh, 13, 14 products in a year and the $100 per month. That, uh, you know, that difference is crazy. You go from, I have no idea what this indie thing is to I'm making money and five times that would be a, a Greek salary, for example, $500 per month. 2019, I took the different approach. I fell in love with a very unique and sexy product, like we were saying earlier, and I focused on that for a whole year, which went nowhere. Now, of course, like the world is not deterministic. I, I, I don't have all the all the elements. I don't know if if I stuck more with that product, maybe it would work out. Who knows? But the people I admire, the people that I have seen succeeding and myself included usually have traction in the beginning just enough to give you that motivation to stick with it okay uh, so you have to stick with it but in order to stick with it and chase it like a madman and figure it out i think you have to have traction in the beginning so it's a bit of a cop-out answer you need both you know in the beginning you need traction uh, and then you stick with that product for a long 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 time uh, but to get that traction in the beginning, you have to try many different things, in my opinion. So for me, it's build many things, see traction, stick with it. And even if it's not, you know, that hockey stick trajectory from the beginning, as long as you have that little bit of traction and you saw the light, like, okay, people are paying for this, you, you can stick with it. Okay. Yeah, no, that's really, that's a really good point. I think Campfi has actually got another question. Yeah, thanks, Pete. Uh, because you travel a lot and you you express that you travel a lot and work, what's your favorite place to work from? 
Mm. Boring answer, man. I'm going to disappoint you. I, I like working from, from home or like from a coffee shop in my neighborhood. Sometimes, you know, you get very bored of the same environment, the same walls, the same window, the same this and that. You don't feel inspired at all. So I go like to the local coffee shop. Which coffee the, shop? Ah, the coffee shop uh, look, in Paris that I was for a month. Don't make fun of me, but I used to go like to Starbucks. I used to go to Starbucks and work from there. It was it was cool. Uh, I don't do co-working spaces and stuff like that. Do I'm you? I'm just at Starbucks today. <laughs> Where are you though? I'm in Southeast. I was I was at Southeast Asia's largest Starbucks. Mm. Which country? Indonesia. I'm in Bali. In Bali. Oh, nice. I haven't been there yet. I've only done the Europe so far. So um, in terms of like, I guess you've talked a lot about having a, you know, a lifestyle first kind of priority business. Where have, the, where have been some of the places you've traveled like in the last couple of years? So since, let's say since November last year, I've been doing a bit too extreme and I want to cut back a bit because November I was in Sicily, December I was in London, January I was in Cyprus, February and March I, I was in Greece, April I was in Paris, May again here in Sicily, June I'm leaving and going to the Canary Islands. But I, this one month in each place is first of all it's not sustainable and secondly like you don't enjoy the benefits of the place you're visiting like you don't have enough time to make friends you don't have enough time to really see the city if you're traveling at the same time i mean uh, if you're working sorry at the same time so yeah uh, i've been around europe mostly now i'm gonna go to the canary islands uh, colombia and in the winter i'm planning to go to south southeast asia i was planning to go to thailand um which is oh. like uh, yeah Chiang Mai or the uh islands uh, Bangkok I was thinking and travel within Thailand as well nice one um yeah I mean I guess obviously the world's been shut down for a long time in terms of travel but yeah you've done a lot of traveling in the last like six months or so how long are you going to be in the Canaries for couple of months probably at least two to three months like that's that's like my new goal like i promised to myself like don't do that one month per place because i i enjoy even though i enjoy change a lot i do enjoy uh like rituals and having a program and uh having a few friends and going out so two months at least Nice. Yeah, I might be in the Canaries in the summer. So. Ah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I'll see you there. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah, that'd be great. Um. Yeah. Just to wrap up, I think we've talked on Twitter about like books and like stoicism. Do you have? You seem like a very calm person <laughs> with everything. Even when we were talking about copycats, you're like, well, you know, I can't control this and stuff like that. Do you have any like favorite books or anything like that? Yeah, you, you said it before me, like the Stoics, the, the, the ancients, the Greeks, the Romans. They, they are my favorite because they are like practical philosophy. And uh, I think especially in a very counterintuitive world of the internet where it's a positive sum game. Like uh, just, just yesterday I tweeted 
because I, I, I may come across as being cool, but I'm not really. I, I do get nervous and anxious and I have to train myself. And of course you improve, like you have to work on yourself a lot. Uh, uh, yeah, just the other day I, I tweeted like, yeah, sometimes I worry about competition. Then I look up a little bit and I see lead generation companies making 100 million per year. And then I realize how stupid I am. Uh, and just, you know, you, you have to work on yourself all the time. And I think for my specific case where my, my uh, other people have different sins. Some people like they have like shiny object syndrome. That's their big thing. They cannot stick to one thing for 10 years. Uh, I don't suffer from that at all. Other people have perfectionism. Like they want something to be perfect. They cannot launch something or try something if it's not perfect. I don't suffer from that either. My shortcoming is uh, anxiety, like how to handle that, how to live while running a business in tech where you're competing with the whole world while being as calm as can be without caring about anything. That's like my my biggest goal. And for that uh Epictetus, uh, uh, all the Romans, Seneca, Aurelius, like all those books. Pretty basic, but they they are well known for a reason. Yeah, yeah, definitely. If people have been reading these books for thousands of years, there's probably a good reason, you know what I mean? I think we should probably let you go just now, but where can we find out about your business and your Twitter and everything? Yeah, well, my Twitter, Alex West Co., and my personal website, alexwest.co. And from there, you can find Cyberlease and everything. Uh, Cyberlease is cyberlease.com. Um, but mostly if you want to follow like what I'm up to, it's my Twitter for more like milestone and business stuff. And my personal website for like daily things, things I'm nervous about, life things, stuff like that. Awesome. Well, yeah, that's excellent. I do like I do like that you have a daily blog, by the way. So that's really cool. Um, but yeah, thanks a lot for for joining us and uh, taking time out of your day. And yeah, hopefully see you in the Canaries in a few months. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's make it happen. Cool. Cheers, man. See you.